0: Today on Broadway for Friday, November 20th, 2020 I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves, And I'm arts and culture writer Alicia Ramirez Alicia, it is good to be together again Much to my chagrin at around 7.30 on Thursday night It became an absolute race to the finish to get a show together Because after an already weirdly busy news week We were hit with another couple of big announcements I don't know what was with this week week, it was just, it's like they were saving all the news (laughs) that they could possibly have for the month of November for this week. A little yeah. annoying, except for one really big thing we're still waiting for, but I think we both know what that is. <sighs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> in the meanwhile, I want to dive into everything that we had happening on Thursday. Before we get to that, though, head over to our Patreon, if you haven't already, patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. All right, Alicia, let's get into it all. And as I previously said, at 7.30 last night, Actors Equity Association and SAG-AFTRA announced that they had finally come to an agreement regarding the taping of live theater during the pandemic. We have discussed this on the show a few times now, especially in recent weeks, but it's been a month-long conflict that has become increasingly embittered since the shutdown back in March. To refresh, equity typically has jurisdiction over live theater actors and stage managers, but SAG has long held that the taping of live shows falls within its jurisdiction. SAG offered actors equity a waiver that they in turn rejected, as executive director Mary McCall accused SAG of, quote, looking to use a pandemic to claim jurisdiction and equity workplaces now and into the future in a way that they haven't had before. The two unions fight was publicized in early October in a piece by the New York Times in which Equity alleged that SAG had Agreed to cover around 60 streaming theater productions That should have been covered by an Equity contract SAG then filed a jurisdictional complaint With the Associated Actors and Artists of America Equity claimed it was having trouble Creating new streaming theater contracts Because SAG would reject them And meanwhile, the actual union members Were being harmed by the feud and the conditions Being offered as little as $125 a day by Equity According to reporting by Deep Tran at backstage And with stage managers being completely left out of SAG contracts That is the shortest possible version of all of this Now, back to today In a statement from SAG President Gabriel Carteris and National Executive Director David White SAG and Equity announced a quote Unanimous agreement with respect to the broadcast and streaming of live performances during the pandemic period. The agreement preserves SAG-AFTRA's historic jurisdiction while creating an important accommodation that serves performers. In the agreement, SAG has agreed that equity will cover recording and or streaming productions to a remote audience during the pandemic period, with a term concluding December 31st, 2021, subject to certain limitations, including distribution on streaming platforms such as Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, HBO Max, Disney+, Apple TV+, Peacock, CBS, All Access, and more. In other words, they must be restricted to a platform specifically for ticket holders or subscribers, but the performances include live readings, stage readings, live theater, and other performances that may or may not include uh, minor editing, anything, quote, intended to be similar to a live performance that the theater typically offers to subscribers and ticket holders. Some important things to note in the agreement One, the aggregated digital audience may not exceed 200% of the size of the theater's house for the contractual run of the production, and the performance may only remain on a digital platform for up to three months or fewer. In theaters with less than 350 seats, the aggregated digital audience must not exceed 300% of the size of the theater's house for the run, this is obviously going to be important, Alicia, in terms of how show audiences get capped. There's a much clearer picture now as what it will have to look like when a show sells out. Uh, Assumingly, that means that all productions that are covered will now have ticketing limits, not just some of them that we've seen in the past. The agreement also prohibits any work that is, quote, "...more in the nature of a television show or movie, including work that is shot out of chronological order, that is substantially edited prior to exhibition, or that includes visual effects or other elements that could not be replicated in a live manner." Not entirely sure how they're going to make the distinction other than that last part, not being able to be replicated in a live manner. I've probably seen some works over the past few months that crosses that line. But we will have the full agreement in the show notes for you to take a look at. It's eight pages long, but those are the main points. A lot of it seems really obvious, Alicia, but it's the obvious stuff that usually has to get spelled out what capacity looks like, what, quote, more in the nature of TV or film looks like, who gets covered, including stage manage- managers, managers, et etc. But it's good to see this argument hopefully be over.
1: Yeah, as, as I could say, it's, it's nice that mom and dad are finally getting along. <laughs> yeah, right, right.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I agree with the points that you just presented, but I think digital streaming will be a crucial component in the future of digital storytelling Mm -hmm. and these virtual theater experiences. And it's a shame that Actors' Equity walked away from what could have been a great opportunity. Sure. Yeah, I'm going to be
0: really interested to see after the pandemic because... I'm assuming that's going to mean, post-pandemic, when we have live theater again, you know, people can actually be on stages, and that's what Equity will cover. I'm assuming that means that SAG will now take over any version of quote-unquote live theater, because streaming is really only meant to be a placeholder for mm-hmm. live theater during this time.
1: Yeah, and I guess Diana said, because they entered an agreement before today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a different...
0: And same with anything, you know, that's had a contract for a while, such as Hamilton and other <laughs> performances that have been on streaming platforms lately. A part of me understands, though, why it's taken for so long for this to happen, which... We talked a little bit before the show about Partially because of the league But mainly because we haven't known When the pandemic is going to end Still don't know So at least certainly for the first few months Up to June when we were kind of looking at this Like, oh, this is very temporary We're not going to need provisions in place for much longer But certainly now we have no idea When this is going to end Autumn, winter, next year, some year So this has to be something in place to protect these workers, all you know, all the workers, not just the actors, certainly including the stage managers who were left out for so long. It's very very you know, very much just counterproductive and insulting that it's taken so long to come to an agreement when your entire workforce has been mostly unemployed for eight months. And no bailout in sight. No bailout in sight. Yeah, that's a whole, whole other, much bigger story of how, uh, all these industries and organizations are failing workers across mm-hmm. the country. But what else is new? <laughs> Okay, so let's get into the other big story that came out on Thursday night, and that's Across the Pond, where the Daily Mail's Baz Bamik-Boy reported that Kathleen Marshall will direct and choreograph a London production of Cole Porter's Anything Goes, starring Megan Mullally as Reno Sweeney and Robert Lindsay as Moonface Martin. The revival will have a limited 15 week run at the Barbican Center starting on May 8th, 2021. According to Marshall, she plans to, quote, entirely reimagine her hit 2011 production, which ran on Broadway at the Stephen Sondheim Theater and starred Sutton Foster and Joel Gray. The creative team for the new run will include set designer Derek McLean, who did the Broadway revival, lighting designer Neil Austin, sound designer Simon Baker, and music supervisor Stephen Ridley. We love a merry band of male designers. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> The other casting is reportedly well underway, and rehearsals are set to begin in March. Now, Alicia, I was very much on Thursday night in a Patty Lepone headspace, so uh-huh. I was actually listening to Anything Goes, maybe about thirty minutes before the news was announced by Bannock no. Boy. Yeah, apparently, you know, very uh, Nostradamus of me. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a I'm <laughs> I'm a fairly big fan of the show. We had the revival back in 2011. I'm not going to say, uh, with this news that I've heard rumblings that this could come back to Broadway post-London run and post-pandemic, but I'm not not going to say that. I heard that Very hypothetical right now, any way you look at it, but it, it wouldn't be the strangest thing to have the show come back and say 2022, a whole year after it closed, or a whole 10 years after it closes, because... That's very much what Broadway is known for. And, you know, New York theater as a whole, just constantly remounting the same shows, as I talked about Into the Woods at Encore City Center last night, another show that gets remounted all the time. So preparing for that hypothetical, considering they're making this such a short run in London and they're talking about a tour, who knows? Would I be happy to see it in London? Most definitely, again, as a fan. Is this the thing we potentially need on Broadway coming back from a pandemic?
1: (laughs) Probably not. Exactly. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. a hard no from Alicia. No, I hope this serves as a solid trial run um, for for an eventual Broadway run and hopefully Broadway higher-ups take note Mm. of how they're preparing for this engagement and I also think limited engagements might be the way to go. So starting yeah. to ease into things.
0: Oh, I see what you mean. So instead of having full runs, getting really packing in as many shows as possible post pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, I've thought about that a lot. I do think, you know, there's going to be a lot of things. And, you know, we've talked about in the past, like having and not even in the past during the pandemic, but pre pandemic, talking about you have theaters that are constantly just waiting for the next show to load in. So, you know, the possibility of having more concerts there, even if they're like, you know, kind of like, Last season, two seasons ago Where they would have the the Lunt-Fontaine Where they had that whole concert series One after another Also at the Nederlander With, uh, who was it even? Josh Groban? Did Did he he do a show? Kristen Chenoweth I thought someone else did a show too I can't remember Maybe it was planned and it didn't happen Mm -hmm. My brain is mush It's November It's (laughs) It's the end of the week, bear with me But yeah, that's that's certainly something that uh we were talking about pre-pandemic Of how you were going to fill these spaces and, you know, keep the rent paid in theaters Not just Broadway, but off-Broadway and any New York theater for that matter So that's something that they absolutely have to look at Just constantly having, basically not having any downtime in these houses When the pandemic is quote-unquote over
1: Mm-hmm, we'll see.
0: All right. Diverting from news that didn't happen last minute on Thursday night, I actually want to talk about something that was announced a couple of days ago. That is the recent diversity and inclusion report released by the aforementioned Actors Equity Association, which they released on Wednesday. This is the second ever report for equity on the matter, the first coming in 2017, which covered 2013 to 2015. And it tracks the hiring and compensation trends for actors and stage managers from marginalized groups. According to this year's report, there has been a modest improvement since the last study, but probably unsurprisingly, most improvements have been gradual, inconsistent, and not enough to change longtime problems in the industry. As in the previous study, hiring bias in terms of both getting a contract and how much workers are paid on a contract is still a major problem. When workers from marginalized groups do earn a contract, they are often paid less than their white male counterparts who are more frequently able to receive additional overscale pay beyond the minimum salary. For some exact numbers from the report, contracts going to people of color increased from 15.3% in the prior study to 23.3% in the current. Contracts to black members represent 45.7% of that increase, seemingly good on paper, but that doesn't necessarily reflect improvement across the industry. But rather the work of one particular show, and I'm sure you can guess what show that is,
1: Alicia. Yes, I can.
0: I, I
1: have some things to say about that later. Mm, okay,
0: good. Yeah, well, much of the increased repre- representation of people of color can be attributed to multiple productions of, of course, Hamilton alone. Not surprising, and of course, always great from Hamilton, but pretty bleak for the rest of the industry. Some other numbers from the report contracts going to women slightly increased from 43.5% of all contracts to 44.9% in the current study. Again, a pay gap remains because men are able to receive more overscale. Also, unsurprisingly, trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming members also earn less than their cisgender peers in the same job categories on any given contract type. Just over 1% of contracts Alicia issued from 2016 to 2019 were to members who report living with a disability. People with disabilities tend to earn less than their non-disabled counterparts as well. There has also been a decrease in the percentage of contracts going to members over 65 years of age, while contracts issued to members of color skewed younger compared to white members. Nationally, 73.8% of all contracts for members 65 years and older went to white members. Once again, we will have the link to the full report in today's show notes. It's about 40 pages long. I will certainly be diving in deeper over the next few days, as I'm sure you will too, Alicia, if yeah. you haven't already. I can't say I'm surprised by any of this, especially because of what we've seen in the last several months with We See You, American, White American Theater, and in general, the Black Lives Matter and George Floyd protests and just... The shift that's right now At a kind of will they won't They of staying accountable Every time I write a Piece about representation on stage I always get someone Who wants to say well people Of color are actually overrepresented On stage if you look At the population makeup of the US Which of course is ridiculous and Even spelled out here that people of color Are earning contracts at a rate of 23.3% In the report The 2010 Census reported thirty nine point six percent are people of color, which is probably very low um, compared to what the actual numbers are. And also, was ten years ago, so the numbers are guaranteed to be higher. So, not representative at all is what we're seeing.
1: No, I I agree with you, Ashley. In a shock to absolutely no one, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is garbage. Really? Oh yeah you can't you can't really hold. Productions of Hamilton responsible for diversity. Right. You need of to, course. you need to look at the bigger picture. And this just brings us to a conversation of who's in the room making those decisions? Who are the mm-hmm. theater critics talking about the works presented? What do we give importance to? And mm-hmm. just post pandemic, I think Hamilton has established a precedence, but it reminds me of the Tony Awards again. No date yet. Um, the year <laughs> we're really bitter.
0: I'm not sure it comes across, but we're really bitter yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so when you think of the 2016 awards, lots of black and brown folks won awards. Fantastic, a great mm-hmm. step in yeah. the right direction. But the year after, the status quo wanted to assert itself. And the awards, that's exactly exactly my thought is that's where my brain
0: went to was the Tonys that Hamilton won, and as you said, everyone was like, "Wow, this is a historic year. People of color have won all the major acting awards." It's like, "Well, yeah, but it was one show. Well, it was technically two shows because it was the Color Purple too, mm-hmm. and Cynthia Erivo. But then, as you said, com- went back completely to quote-unquote normal, which is just, you know, white supremacy status quo.
1: So hopefully Broadway higher-ups and off-Broadway will be held accountable, but mostly Mm -hmm. Broadway mostly
0: Broadway everyone but especially Broadway
1: yeah it's going to be really
0: interesting to see the next report in I guess 2023 because as we've discussed many many times theaters and theater companies are going to need to put their money where their mouth is for all this talk of inclusivity in recent months which is increasingly trickling off uh, but we've seen I mean, we've seen some changes including the shows you and Matt talked about the other day um, that have been announced both for Broadway and Broadway, yeah. but the expectation has to be a dramatic uptick in the next report. Is that going to be the reality? Just gotta wait and see three years unfortunately
1: I hope so, but as a cautious optimist i yeah I don't think it's going to be such a dramatic rise yeah
0: I don't either unfortunately. All right, let's run through some other short news items, Alicia, real quick. First up, Out Magazine has announced its annual Out 100 list for 2020, recognizing prominent members of the LGBTQ plus community for their, quote, groundbreaking, ripple inducing and culture shifting impact around the world. And as always, several theater favorites are on the list. Included this year are Jeremy Pope, Shakina Nafak, Cody Renard, Richard, star of the upcoming prom adaptation Joe Ellen Pellman, Cheyenne Jackson, Joe Mantello, Paris Barclay, Jamal Sims, and Kiki Palmer. The honorees will be recognized at the Out 100 virtual honoree induction ceremony tomorrow, November 21st, at 8 p.m. Eastern, with Jackson and Pope scheduled to make appearances. The ceremony will stream live at Out.com, where you can view the full list as well. Over at the Public Theater, the company has revealed the lineup for its 17th annual Under the Radar Festival, which will run January 6th through the 17th. This year's free programming features a mix of artists such as 600 Highwaymen, Javad Alipore, Inua Elams, Trinidad Gonzalez, Alicia Hall Moran, Pie Hole, Whitney White, and Peter Mark Kendall The festival will include digital live streams and on demand performances, as well as the return of the Under the Radar Symposium, a creative summit, on January 7th, a half day event featuring conversations and panels. In addition to the under-the-radar lineup, the public also announced members of the 2021-23 to Devised Theatre Working Group, a cohort and artist resource group designed for live arts makers of all disciplines. Savon Bartley Niall Harris Miranda Heyman Eric Lockley Rael Merrick Hodges Mia Revenio Justin Elizabeth Sayer, And Mariana Valencia Make up the newly announced cohort Congratulations to all of them You can check out the full list of programming For the Under the Radar Festival And get tickets via publictheater.org Next month, Legacy, a collection of two previously unheard song cycles by legendary composing duo Lynn Ahrens and Stephen Flaherty, will be released by Broadway Records Both cycles were recorded back in 2004, which seems like a lifetime ago, and have been enhanced and remastered The first song cycle, titled 1859, A Farmer's Diary, is based on excerpts from the diary of a farmer in upstate New York, which he wrote over the course of one year. Stephen Flaherty is on the piano and Jason Danieli and the late great Marin Maisie are on vocals, so basically guaranteed to rip your heart out. The next song cycle, A Boy with a Camera, was inspired by photographs taken in the forties and fifties by Aaron's father. It's including the eponymous song Legacy, has Steve Marzullo on the piano with Sarah Uriarte Berry and Stephen Pascal on vocals, but the final track, Something Beautiful, was recorded live at 54 Below in September of 2013 with Flaherty on piano, Antoine Silverman on violin, and Maisie on vocals. The album will be available on CD from Broadway Records and digitally from all major digital retailers on December 11th, with Amazon.com and other major physical retailers to follow up on December 18th. You can pre-order the CD by visiting broadwayrecords.com. Finally, in the news, two items of programming benefiting Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS – First, more artists have been announced For the upcoming streaming presentation Of Bill Russell and Janet Hood's Elegies for Angels, Punks, and Raging Queens Which will be presented on World AIDS Day December 1st Matt and I discussed this on the show I think last week at this point Again, massive fan of Elegies Really looking forward to this Among the 22 newly announced members For the All-Star event Are Fran Drescher, Gideon Glick Recent This Week on Broadway Guest James. James Monroe Eigelhart, Cherry Jones, Telly Leong, Akire Ono, Michael James Scott, and Michael Xavier. They'll joined a previously announced cast that includes, in short, Brooks Asmanskis, Laura Bell Bundy, most recent this week on Broadway guest Robin DeJesus, Lena Hall, Jane Howdy Shell, Nathan Lane, Norm Lewis, Jesse Mueller, Cynthia Nixon, Krista Rodriguez, J.K. Simmons, and many, many others, plus appearances from Danny Burstein, Judith Light, Billy Porter, and Michael Urie. I think if you weren't a fan of Elegies to start, you would certainly become one with that many killer people on board. The virtual production will stream beginning at 5 p.m. Eastern at broadwaycares.org slash elegies and will be available through December 5th. And finally, finally, ahead of the holidays, Andre De Shields, Ellen Cumming, Heather Headley, Karen Olivo, Carolee Carmelo, the aforementioned Lena Hall, Ramin Karamloo, Jelani Remy, Conrad Ricamora, Jennifer Sanchez, and the Grammy Award winning Broadway inspirational voices will help present Home for the Holidays. More special guests will be announced in the coming weeks for the celebration, which will be presented on December 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern via org slash Home for the Holidays. That stream will be available through December 19th.
1: If I may add, Ashley, um, I'll definitely be watching this, but also the musical Mm -hmm. director for this event is Jaime Lozano, which I interviewed a couple of months ago. Oh, really? Didn't see
0: that. That's very exciting there we go we bridge it all together here mm-hmm. <laughs> all really good stuff though can't uh tell you how excited i am for elegies but it's very very difficult for me to not get excited about any holiday concert especially one of this caliber with so many great people attached to it. a broadway holiday concert just tugs at my heartstrings a little harder i can't yeah. lie All right quickly I've got A handful of recommendations for the Weekend first second stage Released a virtual roundtable with Patrick J Adams Scott Ellis Jesse Tyler Ferguson and Jesse Williams For the upcoming production of take Me out whenever that may actually Be over uh, At the Rogers and Hammerson Organization which has just been putting Out great content all pandemic They now have a new video With Laura Osnes and Santino Fontana Performing a medley of 10 Minutes Ago from Cinderella, and You Are Never Away from Allegro, arranged by Jeff Blumenkrantz and the great Ted Sperling, MDing and on piano, performed in separate locations, but they're both shooting in some very lovely, serene locations, and just a beautiful arrangement, so be sure to check that out. Then, back on this past Sunday, actually, Theater Mad, M-A-D for the Make a Difference Trust and Broadway Cares, Put together this great Virtual performance of 150 performers And musicians around the world For a performance of all that jazz From Chicago This includes former Broadway West End and International touring members including uh, Sally Ann Triplett Michael Greco David Hasselhoff Annette McLaughlin Gabby Roslin, Many, many, many more Again, 150 performers Which is just incredible and Way beyond what I could ever imagine <laughs> getting everybody together on Chicago has my absolute favorite overture in all of musical theater, oh really I've played, yeah, I've played it in a couple pits in the past. It just brings me so much joy so the second that trumpet mute came out, I was just bouncing in my seat. I love it and uh, I you know any we we real we, we've gotten a good number of things, but any kind of video. Uh, During the pandemic of like musicians doing arrangements and we're seeing like the musicians perform just makes me so happy because I mean, that's something you think about seeing a musical, you don't get to see the musicians up close and personal. No, you definitely don't. As a lifelong musician, it makes me really happy to at least have that on my screen in front of me. <laughs> but yes, the Make a Difference Trust is raising funds to provide emergency relief for the theater community during the current theater shutdown in the UK that obviously affects performers all over the world too so if you would like to make a donation you can do so at madtrust.org.uk we will have the link to that along with everything so many everythings we talked about in today's show in the show notes All right, that is all we have for you today and for the week. So thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And if you are willing, able, and so inclined, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. As always, if you're a patron, you can get in on the action during this week on Broadway and chat with James, Peter, and Michael. Not sure personally if there's a special guest this weekend, but guest or no guest, be sure to tune in. Also, we've got a lot of good stuff coming down the pipeline. I know you, Alicia, are especially busy. As always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at
1: no this is Ashley. Alicia, where can the people find you? People can find me at Gar 31 on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Excellent.
1: All right, everyone, have a great weekend. Stay safe, and we will be back
0: to talk with you on Monday.